0: Welcome to Breadcast, the first ever Bread Coffee House podcast. I am Aaron Weiss, and I just wanted to make sure that you felt welcome, and wanted to remind you that here at Bread, we love Jesus, but you don't have to to be here. Enjoy the episode.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Bread's first ever podcast. I'm Alicia Marshall, the team lead of Bread Emory, and I am Brooke Voor, the team lead of Bread Oxford. We would obviously love to be with all of you in person right now, but we figured this was the next best thing. In the midst of everything that is changing and uncertain right now, we want you to know that your Bread family is still here for you. Each week, two of your Bread teammates will get together to do what we love to do at Bread, share stories. Stories of what's going on in our lives right now, stories from the Bible, stories from our past some really funny stories and we think this is especially important in a time when we're separated because of the power of stories to bring us together to bring you into this moment with us it's about 10 a.m. here in Atlanta I am sitting in my bedroom which has now become my new office (laughs) with my cup of tea sitting on my
0: couch Brooke where are you at I am in our, I would call it an office, where Robert does a lot of his working from home. I've got my dog in here with me, which will add all kinds of fun, I'm sure, Um, looking out into the beautiful sunshine.
1: So, from wherever you are, grab a cup of coffee or tea and sit back and enjoy. To start off with, you may be wondering what we've been up to this last two weeks. I know it's been a whirlwind for everyone, and everyone has been moving and packing up, and... No one expected it to be the way it turned out to be. So we want to tell you a little bit about what those two weeks have looked like for our families. Kyle and I got to spend spring break in England, which was incredible. We had the opportunity to visit two Global Scope teams there, one in Nottingham, uh, which is, yes, the place of Robin Hood, and one in Birmingham. It was really cool for us to get to see a community just like bread in a different part of the world. They played lots of board games. They really loved their coffee, but more so tea because it's England. Mm -hmm. And they had a lot of free food. It just it felt like bread, just in a very different place. Uh, We flew into London and spent the first weekend there trying to get our bodies adjusted to a new time zone so we wouldn't be total zombies by the time we got to global scope and while we were there we did a lot of the touristy things but I was really surprised. I didn't expect there to be so much construction going on. Whoever is in the scaffolding business in England must be banking bank because <laughs> it's everywhere. Uh, Big Ben was covered with scaffolding, which was disappointing because that was one of the iconic things that we wanted to see. Uh, less significant landmark was Sherlock Holmes' house, mm-hmm. which I know he's not a real person, but we still wanted to go see it also covered in scaffolding uh one of the most memorable parts of our time in london was when we were at this big open-air market kind of thing it was called covent gardens and there was a lot of random street performers because it was a saturday and it was beautiful and so we stopped to watch this random guy that was juggling knives over a kid that was willingly lying on the ground letting him do this above his face (laughs) And so that, of course, drew our attention in. But then, of course, he asked for some volunteers from the audience. And everybody like avoids eye contact like normal. He was specifically looking for two strong men to volunteer. And somehow, Kyle got picked. <laughs> yes. uh, of course, he didn't volunteer, but he still got picked. And so then I thought I was for sure in the clear. I started getting my phone out and was going to record whatever was about to happen. Um, But then he asked for a lady from the crowd. Again, I was like, surely, like, he just picked the guy next to me. He's going to pick someone from a different side of the crowd. But no, he picks me too without realizing that we were married. And he pulls us up on stage Then it takes him forever to actually get to the stunt he needed us for. So for a long time, we were just standing in the middle of this crowd as the weird Americans uh, until eventually this guy takes off his shirt (laughs) um, and starts laying on a bed of nails. that's suspended (laughs) on this like giant treasure chest kind of a thing. Uh, And eventually he had me step on top of him while Kyle and this other person that I've never met in my entire life held me up. What? So I was holding my breath the whole time, and we were so happy when we were released from that. Uh, definitely, very, very memorable. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was something. Um, we then went to. Nottingham and spent some time there and then went to Birmingham and ended our trip in Oxford for a day. I had no idea how much Harry Potter stuff was in Oxford. It's everywhere. But it was amazing. We went and saw as much of it as we could uh, and we obviously the trip took a turn when things started to ramp up here and uh, we woke up one morning and got news of Trump's travel bans and there was uh, slowly but surely we kept getting more information and realizing that because we were in the UK which is not technically Europe anymore and because we were American citizens that we were okay but still from that point on it was like we were holding our breath until we got home again um, Kyle I have never seen him this paranoid in his life yeah. but um, we were those people that had Clorox wipes with us and sanitized everything. <laughs> we were on public transport so literally every time we got on a train we would like wipe it all down. Uh, we were straight up mooching any hand sanitizer that was in a public place mm-hmm. because we only had travel hand sanitizer that we were using for everything else so uh, it was it was very interesting. But our flight was as scheduled, and when it landed back in Atlanta, I've never seen this happen before, but everyone on the plane cheered. Aww. Like, it just out broke in applause, and it was almost like everyone exhaled for the first time. Everybody had been holding their breath for so long, mm-hmm. hoping they could get home Uh, The CDC got on board when we got back, and so that was a little scary. Uh, They had us fill out a questionnaire, but it was actually really easy, way easier than we expected. But they recommended that all of us, because of uh, traveling in the U.K., Self-quarantined for two weeks And so that's what our family is doing right now Mm -hmm. Um, We're just trying to stay home We get outside as much as we can And I'm really grateful The weather's so beautiful right now Having a three-year-old quarantine Definitely makes for some Interesting moments. Uh, There's been a lot of watching Avengers Race on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fruit snacks are really, really important. We had to make sure we stocked up on those. There's been a lot of arguments about when it is appropriate to wear pants. (laughs) And... um, (laughs) Mostly when we go outside is, is the hard line that we draw there, um, but it's been, it's been really fun. He's really into hide and go seek right now, so we've been doing a lot of that, uh, so every day is a new adventure, but we're just taking it for for what it is. Oh my gosh. Uh, yes. Brooke, I haven't really talked to you since I've been back from London. What's been going on for
0: you guys? Um, a lot of uh, similar toddler at home life. Um, my spring break... pretty boring um I didn't go anywhere cool mostly stayed at home I did a lot of cleaning of my house which was nice packed up all of winter clothes and gray's clothes that he's grown out of which for me was very wonderful and cathartic um got to (laughs) hang out with a few friends until people started self-quarantining but um it was really great really restful um the last week has I would say been less than restful um Robert has still been going in to see clients and do his counseling so I have been single parenting it for the last two days which was fun in moments and challenging it others um so we've been yeah that's a lot yeah we've been managing uh the weather really does help um we've got to go outside a lot which is really nice um also watched a lot of Mickey Mouse um built a lot of things with blocks you know normal toddler life um Probably the most eventful part was uh, two days ago. um, After Gray woke up from his nap, uh, we wanted to go outside, so we grabbed his basketball and I don't remember one other toy and went outside and played for like thirty minutes. It was really fun. Um, Weather was beautiful, and then um, we got bored, so we decided to go inside and get um, some stuff to color with. So we came inside, got our colored pencils and some paper and this little like uh, outdoor like kind of beach mat thing to like sit on. And we yeah. walked out of the house and then um, sat down and was coloring for like, I don't know, 10 or so minutes. And all of a sudden I started to smell something. I was like, what is that? Um, so I was like, Gray, <laughs> did you poop? And so he said, yes. And I was like, okay, let's go in the let's go inside. We'll get you a new diaper whatever. So I pick him up and I go to walk inside and I um, put my hand on the doorknob to come into the house. And the door doesn't open. And I was like, wait, what? So I like, try again. And I was like, oh my gosh, this door is locked. Okay, our front door is locked and we're outside. Okay, surely there's an- Oh Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I was like, surely there's another door that I left open. So I'm like, okay, stay calm. This is fine. So we start walking around to the other three doors of our house. Nope, all of them very locked. And I was like, are you kidding me? So I was like, maybe there's a window. I'm like, just stay calm. So I'm like carrying this poopy toddler around all the perimeter of my house trying to see if i can break in and sure enough every door is locked every window is locked everything is very very locked my car is even locked and so i was like cool locked out of my house with a toddler that has a poopy diaper cool cool okay um so i realized one of the windows in my house was unlocked but we have these really fancy little uh plastic pieces like two inches above the windows that if those are open the window doesn't open more than two inches So I was able to open my window about two inches, which got me nothing, which was awesome. So I could, uh, you know, like throw stuff inside, but that was about it. Uh, so Robert was in the middle of a counseling session and then had his 45 minute drive home. So we were locked out of the house, uh, two days ago for about an hour and a half while Gray had a poopy diaper. So... Um, Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. It was a highlight for sure. Luckily, he doesn't understand being locked out of the house, so he was good. I just turned on some Mickey Mouse on my phone and sat outside and watched the Mickey Mouse until Robert got home, but yeah, we were locked out for a good chunk of time the other day. We got rained on for a few minutes, and uh, yeah, it was great. Wow. (laughs) that's awful yep we went outside again yesterday and I like took every key I had with me outside and I was like we're not doing this again I left the windows open that way if for some reason my keys didn't work for some strange reason I could still make it inside so yeah wow Mm -hmm. yeah it's been it's been fun good times around here but I am really thankful for the nice weather it's made being quarantined a little easier oh absolutely gosh Well, um, it's really no secret to anybody that our lives have been harshly interrupted over the last few days and even um, week or so. Pretty much everything about our lives look very different than they did two weeks ago. Our routines are very different. Our locations are different. uh, The people that we're around every day are super different. But we still have each other and that definitely hasn't changed. And so for the next five weeks as a community... Uh, We're going to look at stories in the Bible and from our lives about disrupted communities. What happens when our lives change so quickly? How do we respond? How do we lean on one another? How do we ask for help? What do we do after everything calms down again? We are really, really thankful for technology that can keep us close, even when we are so physically far away. And we are really, really excited to get to spend the next few weeks with y'all in a brand new way. And I get the pleasure of sharing our very first story So this morning, I want to share a story from the book of Mark in chapter 2, and where we pick up in the story is where Jesus had just healed a man with leprosy, which was really impressive and made people want to come around and follow him wherever he went to see what he was going to do next, which meant that he had to start staying away from towns, away from people, but of course, people still found a way to find him. And we're in this town where Jesus was staying, and there's this group of five friends and one of them is paralyzed. He can't walk, can't move. And they, this group of friends hears that Jesus is coming to town. And then they heard about these other healings that Jesus had done. And they knew that he was their only chance of getting their friend healed. So they came with, up with this plan that they were going to take their friend to Jesus the next time that he was out around teaching and healing. So a few days later, that day came. Jesus was back in town and the whole town heard about it. And this group of friends knew that it was their time that they needed to step in and be there for their friend. The whole town crowded around the home that Jesus was teaching at. There was such a huge crowd that there was nowhere inside or even outside of this house for people to stand and listen. The entire front of this house was packed full of people. So the group of friends approached the house and saw this massive crowd and they were pretty disappointed. They had so badly wanted to help their friend. So they decided that their friend needed to see Jesus and they weren't going to let anything stop them. So they decided that they were going to carry their paralyzed friend on this mat, each friend on one of the four corners. They made their way all the way around the house and then started to climb onto the house. Then once they were on the house, they started digging through the roof, removing tiles, digging away dirt, and they formed a giant hole in the roof right above where Jesus was. And when the hole was big enough, they started to lower their friend on this mat right through the roof, right down to where Jesus' feet were. And Jesus saw their faith and he said to their friend, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, the religious people didn't really think that Jesus had the authority to forgive people's sins. So that he asked them, wouldn't it be easier to say your sins are forgiven than just to take up your mat and walk? So instead, he looked at the paralyzed man right in the eyes and said, I say to you, get up pick up your palette and go home. And this man got up and immediately picked up his mat and walked out of sight of everybody. Which is a crazy story. Yeah, but I love it. <laughs> oh, me too. I mean, what amazing friends.
1: Yeah. It makes me really grateful for the friends like that that I have. Absolutely. In my life.
0: Have you? Awesome. It- Go ahead. I would say, have you had any moments in your life that, thinking back on, you can be like, yeah, I've definitely had moments with people and friends like that in my life?
1: Oh, absolutely. For me, as you were telling the story, it just makes me think of the moments where I have to be carried. Uh, Mm -hmm. Usually not literally, but (laughs) metaphorically carried when there's absolutely no way that I can manage on my own. And I usually hate that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I've gotten a little better at accepting that. But it's so hard. Yeah. I think, especially here in America, that there's this message that we've been given that says to ask for help or to need help means that we're weak or less than. Yeah, And and I just – I don't think that's realistic. Uh, The older I've gotten, the more I've had to rely on other people. I just – I don't think we're wired to go it alone, to try and fly solo. No. <laughs> um, for me, that smacked me in the face when I had a baby because <laughs> my capacity was instantly diminished. I could only do so much, and this other humid started instantly sucking up all my time and energy, yep. and I had to start relying on other people in a whole new way. Mm-hmm. I think especially about when he was first born, those first few weeks where everything's kind of just a haze and uh, Kyle and I tried to go it alone. I remember he was so eager to get out of the hospital Mm -hmm. uh, because nurses come in and try and wake you up all the time and he just wanted to sleep in his own bed. So we, we went home and of course we had family and friends that kept offering to come help us. But we were like, no, we want to give it a go as our family of three. Uh, But I distinctly remember, as distinctly as I remember anything from those first (laughs) few days, that first night laying in bed after no one had been sleeping, And I was what I call cry tired, Mm -hmm. where everything just makes me want to cry. And I texted my mom, and I have no idea what the text said. It was probably something like, help, I can't do this. (laughs) And my saint of a mother was at my house the next morning, and she just stayed with us for about a week. And it just made me feel so much better to have her there. Because she's my mom, she can read me really well, and she just knows what I need. She would stay up with Levi and let Kyle and I sleep. She would help us cook and clean. Uh, She taught us things because she had raised children before. So I remember her teaching us how to hold Levi because uh, he wouldn't stop crying because he had so much gas Mm. early on. And she just taught us how to hold him with his stomach facing our stomach. And that pressure just like helped a ton. These little things that she did. To help us out, like I still remember so well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just that feeling of being alone gets so overwhelming, and just having her there made it just feel a little more bearable. And not just her, but we had so many friends that came around us, especially in that first month or so. There was a meal train that was set up, and I was blown away by the people that signed up to bring us food and check in on us. Even people that we weren't super close to. Yep. There was just something about community that they knew during this time of need for the Marshalls, this is just what we do. Mm-hmm. We take care of each other. And it's been cool to be on the flip side of that as other people have had babies. But those those early days just really stand out to me when I hear this story of not being able to do things on my own and needing the community
0: around me. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Those first few days weeks I mean I feel like our kids are older now and I feel like we're still asking for help in so many ways like how do we how do we raise another human uh, oh yeah yeah we definitely <laughs> need other people for sure
1: yeah we sleep more but it's still hard
0: oh my gosh yes <laughs> the sleep yeah. helps what about you Brooke um yeah it's been really nice actually the last couple days thinking back on stories where I felt like people kind of came around me or helped me especially with everything that's going on trying to to think of positives and um being like we really are so um loved and surrounded by community um but one story specifically kept popping back into mind i don't know if it was knowing you were in england or or what but um a story from our time when we were living in england kind of popped in um, a lot of y'all know this, but before I worked at Bread, I worked at Canvas, the Global Scope in Birmingham, Alicia was talking about, that she got to go hang out at. Um, and we moved there, like, the first few days of October, and um, it was, like, three days after the school semester had already started, um, which meant a lot of the places to live had already been full. Like, they were already rented out by students, and so there weren't a lot of places for us to live, Um So we ended up living with our teammates for almost two weeks in a two-bedroom, one-bathroom, tiny little flat where we were adjusting, we were culture-shocking, we were trying to figure out this new life, and um, it was really hard to live with other people um, that we hadn't really known for very long, so we were really, really desperate to find a place to live. We just wanted to feel settled, to have a place to call our own, Um, so we were most days out walking around looking for what they call it's for let is their way of calling things for rent and so like every for let sign we found we were calling the number trying to find a place to live um and it took us a really long time and so eventually we had to like kind of compromise on the distance that we were willing to walk so we kind of expanded our radius a little bit and so um the first day we had expanded that radius we were out walking around and we passed this like barred gate kind of going behind some buildings that had this for let sign. And we were like, call the number. I don't care. I don't know what it, what's behind there, but like we're going to call it. So we called this number and this sweet lady answered. And um, sure enough, she had this little studio apartment that she was renting out. And we were like, we'll take it. We don't care. Like our standards were so low at the time that we were like, whatever it is, if it's in our budget, we're going to say yes. So um, <laughs> we got to... Um, get a showing and we saw it and it was actually um, in the process of being renovated it was right behind a bank and I am and so they were like turning this piece of the bank into like an apartment which was weird in itself but um, they were in the middle of renovating it and so uh, they told us it was going to be another week before we could be in it and we were just like okay fine like we we know we have a place that'll be fine. Um so I say we very impatiently waited because almost every day we were calling to find out on the progress to see how it was coming along if the move in date was still the same um and it was and so uh we got to move in and we were super excited everything started to settle we really started to feel like this is where we live now which is really great um and then over the course of the next couple of weeks we started t- so England is a very damp country like it just is and so we were warned we were prepared They told us to keep our radiators on pretty much at all times, how to hang up our clothes to dry. But we started noticing that like in the mornings and in the evenings, it was like our walls were like dripping. Like there were literal drips of water running down our walls and like our bedspread in the morning was damp, like dewy. And we were like, I just don't feel like this is the way this is supposed to be. Like this can't be the level of dampness we were told to expect. So we reached out to our landlord and told her after I found a pair of my shoes were all moldy. And I was like, oh, no, no, Mm -mm. Mm -mm. we're not doing this. So I told my teammates and they were like, yeah, that's not great." So I called our landlord. I was like, hey, can you at least just come like look to make sure like our walls were starting to mold like it was out of control. So she came, she looked at it. And then I remember sitting in the canvas house with a bunch of my teammates and my phone rang. And so I knew it was her and I picked it up. And what she told me was that in the midst of their renovations, they didn't properly ventilate the space and therefore it wasn't up to code, which was awesome to hear. Um, And so uh, then she told me that we were going to have to move out while the renovations, like the new fixing of the place was going to take, was going to be happening. And so she told me that they were going to put us up in a hotel for two weeks while we waited oh, for all of these renovations to happen. Um, and so I was just like done. I was so done. So I, I'm sure I asked a couple more questions. I got a few more details. But um, what sticks out in my mind is I remember hanging up. And without saying anything to anybody, I just started sobbing. Like just losing it uncontrollably. And without hesitation, one of my teammates got up, walk to me and just gave me the biggest hug and just held me while I just sobbed. And it waited until I got to calm down. Um, our landlord did get us a hotel room, but it was over an hour walk away from where we were working um, and we didn't have a car. Um, and it was even a 20 minute walk from the closest train station, which was was fine. It was just now leaving. We were going to have to leave our house super early when we had to be at work. We were going to have to get home super late. I mean, there was just so many things that was going to make this inconvenient. We didn't have anywhere to cook. We had no kitchen. We didn't have anywhere to do laundry. I mean, we were just like in this tiny little hotel room for two weeks. Um, And the reason I thought of this story was because over those weeks, we had so many people step up. I mean, we'd only lived there for like a month and a half, maybe two months. And so Um, We really didn't know what to do, but we had so many friends from church, we had so many of our teammates, so many of our students, which was really unexpected, who had cars, who had places that they could store some of our stuff. I mean, they helped out in any way. We had teammates that helped, um, had us over for meals, people helped with our laundry, Um, they picked us up, dropped us off. Um, They were really, really, really sweet. They were accommodating in our schedules, they were understanding if we showed up late or if we left early um and so I think more than all of the negative parts what I remember most is just like the vast amount of people that stepped up and just offered whatever they had in whatever way that they could help and so um it was really really comforting to know that we weren't alone even though we had only been there for a few months um and that we had this whole crew of people that were there for us um in such incredible ways yeah that's so good yeah it was quite the time
1: You said how your students stepped in and even while we were stuck in England, it just it was so comforting to me. The number of all of you that reached out to us to make sure that we were okay, to let us know that you were praying for us. And then when we got back to just see how things were going to make sure that our plane made it, uh, it was just It like almost made me cry when I would get text after text after text and I couldn't respond to all of them because my phone was being weird Mm -hmm. in England. Mm -hmm. But just so you know, that meant so much to me that you cared about us, especially as we're all going through this hard time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we did. We wanted to start off this journey by reminding you that you are not alone that we are here for you, that in as many ways as we can be right now, we are here um, to listen, to talk, to laugh, to cry, to um, watch TV shows together or play games virtually or just um, sit down and have a cup of coffee, that we are here for you and you are certainly not alone.
1: Absolutely. As we close this first ever podcast, we want to leave you with three questions to consider as we do at the end of all of our stories. We're going to post these on social media, so they're great for you to keep thinking about, maybe even talk through with your small groups. Have you considered that you aren't alone in all of this? Have you considered that it's okay to need help? And lastly, have you considered that Jesus' response to us in these difficult times is one of compassion? Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Tune in next week to hear from Kishore and Kyle. Bye, guys. Bye.